European Heart Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 17, Focus Issue on PCSK9, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lusher. LDL Cholesterol Targets, Perspectives for the Use of PCSK9 Inhibitors. Elevated levels of LDL cholesterol are determined mainly genetically and are the most important risk factor for atherosclerosis in general and coronary artery disease in particular. Indeed, the risk of acute myocardial infarction is markedly increased among patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia who do exhibit markedly elevated plasma levels of LDL cholesterol. While statins plus possibly exetamib are currently effective drugs recommended by most guidelines, antibodies against proprotein convertase subtilizin slash kexin type 9 or PCSK9, a protein leading to the degradation of LDL receptors, provide completely novel treatment options in hypercholesterolemia. In a current opinion article, Initiation of PCSK9 Inhibition in Patients with Heterozygous Familial Hypercholesterolemia Entering Adulthood, a New Design for Living with a High-Risk Condition. Alpo Vuorio, from the Mehilainen Airport Health Center in Vantaa, Finland, discusses a new option for the early initiation of LDL cholesterol-lowering pharmacotherapy in individuals with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia i.e. PCSK9 inhibition starting at the age of 18 years when the child has reached adulthood. The discovery of mutations in the PCSK9 gene and their implications for lifelong LDL cholesterol levels and clinical outcome in these individuals as featured in the cardiopulse section of this issue and the subsequent development of therapeutic antibodies against the protein promises to change cardiovascular medicine in the near future. It may have been wise that the European experts, in their guidelines, contrary to their US colleagues, have maintained LDL cholesterol target levels as they may help to use these novel drugs in high-risk patients, such as those with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia or possibly acute coronary syndromes. However, the approach remains controversial at this stage. In a linked second current opinion article, replacing statins with PCSK9 inhibitors and delaying treatment until 18 years of age in patients with familial hypercholesterolemia is not a good idea, Gisler Langslet and colleagues from the Oslo University Hospital in Norway take an opposing stance. They note that markers of atherosclerosis are elevated already in young-aged children at high risk, and that in order to prevent these changes, current guidelines recommend initiation of statin therapy at around 10 years of age in those with familial hypercholesterolemia. High-dose statin therapy plus acetamib and PCSK9 inhibiting therapy are equally effective in reducing LDL cholesterol, and current costs in Europe for PCSK9 inhibitors are about tenfold those of high-dose statin plus acetamib. Therefore, they argue that replacing statins with PCSK9 inhibitors and delaying treatment until 18 years of age in patients with familial hypercholesterolemia is not supported by current evidence and the cost-benefit ratio of this approach may not be appropriate. 
The issue continues on the same topic, with the first clinical research paper, Safety and Efficacy of LY3015014, a monoclonal antibody to proprotein convertase subtilizin-slash-kexin type 9, PCSK9, a randomized placebo-controlled phase 2 study, in which John J. Kasteline and colleagues from the Academic Medical Center of the University of Amsterdam, Netherlands, evaluated the efficacy, safety, and tolerability of LY3015014, a neutralizing antibody of PCSK9, administered every four or eight weeks in patients with primary hypercholesterolemia, added on top of of standard-of-care lipid-lowering therapy in a double-blind placebo-controlled trial randomizing 527 patients with primary hypercholesterolemia. Patients received either SC injections of LY3015014 20mg, 120mg, or 300mg every four weeks, or 100mg or 300mg every eight weeks, alternating with placebo for the same time periods. At week 16, LY3015014 dose-dependently decreased LDL cholesterol up to 51%, with 300mg every four weeks, and up to 37% with 300mg every eight weeks, compared to an 8% increase with placebo. There were no treatment-related serious adverse events. The most common adverse event terms reported more frequently with LY3015014 compared to placebo were injection site pain and erythema. No liver or muscle safety issues emerged. The authors conclude that LY3015014, dosed every four or eight weeks, resulted in robust and durable reductions in LDL cholesterol without clinically relevant safety issues. The paper is accompanied by an editorial by Paul Ridker from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, USA. As mentioned above, current statin guidelines in Europe and Canada advocate achieving a fixed LDL cholesterol target or the attainment of an over 50% reduction in LDL cholesterol, while current US guidelines advocate the use of statin therapies that reduce LDL cholesterol by up to 50%, i.e. moderate intensity, or more than 50%, i.e. high intensity. Data are limited, however, linking the achievement of these percent reduction thresholds to subsequent cardiovascular outcomes, particularly for contemporary high-intensity regimens. In a second AHA fast-track clinical research paper entitled Percent Reduction in LDL Cholesterol Following High-Intensity Statin Therapy, Potential Implications for Guidelines and for the Prescription of Emerging Lipid-Lowering Agents, Paul Ridker from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, looked at this matter further. In a randomized trial of 17,082 initially healthy men and women with median baseline LDL cholesterol of 108mg per deciliter, the authors used waterfall plots to assess the variability in the LDL cholesterol response to resuvastatin 20mg daily and also evaluated the impact of reaching an over 50% reduction in LDL cholesterol on risk of developing first cardiovascular events. Among rosuvastatin-allocated participants, 46% experienced an LDL cholesterol reduction of 50% or more, 
while 43% experienced a reduction of 0 to less than 50%, and in 11%, LDL cholesterol remained unchanged or increased compared to baseline. These percentage LDL cholesterol reductions directly relate to the risks of first cardiovascular events. Indeed, incidence rates for the primary endpoint were 11.2, 9.2, 6.7, and 4.8 per 1,000 person years for those in the placebo, no LDL cholesterol reduction, a less than 50% reduction, and in those with a reduction of 50% or more, respectively. Compared to placebo, the multivariable adjusted hazard ratios for sequentially greater on-treatment percent reductions in LDL cholesterol were 0.91, 0.61, and 0.43. Similar relationships between percent reduction and clinical outcomes were observed in analyses focusing on non-HDL cholesterol or apolipoprotein B100. The authors conclude that the variability in percent LDL cholesterol reduction following high-intensity statin therapy is wide, yet the magnitude of this percent reduction directly relates to efficacy. These data support guideline approaches that incorporate percent reduction targets for statin therapy as well as absolute targets and might provide a structure for the allocation of emerging adjunctive lipid-lowering therapies such as PCSK9 inhibitors should these agents prove broadly effective for cardiovascular event reduction. The paper is accompanied by an editorial by Jennifer G. Robinson from the University of Iowa in the United States. Ideally, familial hypercholesterolemia is diagnosed by genetic testing for mutations, specifically those that decrease the catabolism of low-density lipoprotein cholesterol. However, genetic testing is not universally available. In the third research paper, How to Identify Individuals with Mutations Causative of Familial Hypercholesterolemia, screening of 98,098 individuals from the Copenhagen General Population Study estimated a prevalence of 1 in 217. Marianne Ben and colleagues from the Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark aimed to assess the frequency and predictors of mutations causing familial hypercholesterolemia in 98,098 participants from the general population, the Copenhagen General Population Study. They genotyped for LDLR, W23X, W66G, W556S, and APOB, R3500Q accounting for 38.7% of pathogenic familial hypercholesterolemia mutations in Copenhagen. Clinical assessment of familial hypercholesterolemia excluded mutation information. They found that the prevalence of the four familial hypercholesterolemia mutations was 0.18%, or 1 in 565, suggesting a total prevalence of familial hypercholesterolemia mutations of 0.46%, or 1 in 217. Using the Dutch Lipid Clinical Network criteria, odds ratios were 439 for definite familial hypercholesterolemia, 90 for probable, and 18 for possible familial hypercholesterolemia. Using the Simon Broom criteria, the odds ratio was 27 for possible versus unlikely familial hypercholesterolemia, 
and using the Make Early Diagnosis to Prevent Early Death, or MedPED, criteria, 40 for probable versus unlikely familial hypercholesterolemia. Finally, odds ratios for a familial hypercholesterolemia mutation were 17 for LDL cholesterol of 4 to 4.9 millimoles per litre, 69 for LDL cholesterol of 5 to 5.9 millimoles per litre, 132 for LDL cholesterol of 6 to 6.9 millimoles per litre, 264 for LDL cholesterol of 7 to 7.9 millimoles per litre, and 320 for LDL cholesterol above 7.9 millimoles per litre. The most optimal threshold for LDL cholesterol concentration to discriminate between mutation carriers and non-carriers was 4.4 millimoles per litre. The authors therefore estimate that familial hypercholesterolemia causing mutations occur in 1 in 217 in the general population and are best identified by a definite or probable phenotypic diagnosis based on the Dutch Lipid Clinical Network criteria or an LDL cholesterol above 4.4 millimoles per litre. The paper is accompanied by an editorial by G. Keys Hoving from the Amsterdam Medical Centre in the Netherlands. Untreated familial hypercholesterolemia increases the risk of premature atherosclerosis and the clinical sequelae associated with it. In the final paper, patients with familial hypercholesterolemia are characterized by presence of cardiovascular disease at time of death. Henrietta Valas Krog from the University of Oslo in Norway investigated the presence of cardiovascular disease in 79 patients with familial hypercholesterolemia at time of death. The mean age at first event was 44 years, whereas mean age at time of death was 60 years. The cause of death was of cardiovascular nature in 50%. At time of death, 93% had established cardiovascular disease and 69% had experienced myocardial infarction. While 98% of the younger patients with a median age of 51 years had received statins, only 81% of those with a median age of 71 years had been treated accordingly. The last measured low-density lipoprotein cholesterol level was 5.3 millimoles per litre in the younger, but 4.4 millimoles per litre in the older patients. More than half of the younger patients were current smokers, while only 10% of the older patients smoked. There were no sex differences in age at first event, or age at time of death. The authors conclude that in most patients with familial hypercholesterolemia, cardiovascular disease is present at time of death, underscoring the severity of this genetic disease and the need for early diagnosis and treatment, as already suggested by others. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.